Support for this program is provided by Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. As Ukraine continues to fight off Russian forces and the country's economy has gone into freefall, executives for Ukrainian energy companies are here in Washington, D.C., and they have a clear message to Congress and the Biden administration. Look, we are in big trouble if we can't buy the natural gas we need for this winter, and we need the U.S. to help finance those natural gas purchases one way or another. That's my colleague Politico's Ben Lefebvre, and he got to speak to those executives. Their message comes as Europe broadly faces its own energy crisis, there's no clear end to Russia's invasion, and as U.S. lawmakers face their own dilemma. The U.S. doesn't control natural gas flows. It's the private companies who do that. The U.S. can maybe give money, but it can't dictate where that gas is going to go. Today, Ben and I talk about what Ukrainian energy executives are asking for and what the U.S. can actually do about it. It's Friday, April 15th. I talked to Svetlana Zalskuk. She's a senior advisor to the CEO of Naftogaz, which is the Ukrainian state-owned natural gas company. And I also talked to Olga Bilkova, and she's the director of public and international affairs at the company that oversees the pipeline system there. And what they are doing in D.C. is meeting with members of the Biden administration and members of Congress's Appropriations Committee, kind of the folks who control the budget. And what their argument is, is that the fighting in Ukraine's east is right up against the region that's home to like 80% of Ukraine's natural gas production. And that because of the fighting, this natural gas production is already off. They're running a deficit there. And they need help from the U.S. and Europe to make sure they have enough natural gas this coming winter. They're saying basically the way things are looking now, if this situation continues, there is going to be real hurt in Ukraine as folks don't have fuel for cooking or for heating. They're saying, look, people's homes have been destroyed. They're basically living in the subway or in the cellars of their once home, and they're freezing because it's still like 10 below the freezing point over there. So that natural gas is the main way they eat their homes and cook their food, and and they need to have it, or there's going to be a major humanitarian crisis next winter. Wow. Yeah. And we've seen Congress and the administration work in tandem to both punish Russia and help Ukraine. What do you sense the appetite might be within Congress and the White House to provide the financial help that these executives are asking for? I think there's a desire to do something, but I think the question is going to be, how do we do this? It's going to be fairly complicated. The U.S. government does not control flows of LNG. What would have to happen is... There would have to be money made available to Ukraine to go into the market and buy gas. But the problem you're going to have is that if there is a warm summer or a cold winter coming up in Asia, prices are going to go up. So the fear is that is Ukraine just going to have to compete against these other countries to go for gas? And if so that's really going to boost prices higher. And then how much money are you going to need? The executives told me one thing they were hoping for would be either have Congress allocate money in a supplemental budget to help Ukraine buy gas, 
or to help convince the International Monetary Fund to make funds available through their humanitarian and disaster relief fund. So I think the appetite is there to help them, but the question is, how do you direct the natural gas from private companies to a foreign country in an efficient manner? So are there alternative solutions to helping Ukraine get the energy it needs this winter besides financial assistance? Not really. You could, I guess, make a case that the U.S. could try to jawbone countries that have their own state-owned gas sellers and convince them to divert gas to Ukraine that way. But the Biden administration has already tried to do that with countries like the UAE or Qatar, and there's no indication that that's going anywhere. So the countries that do want to help don't really have a firm hand in making these decisions. And the countries that have an easier way to actually direct flows to Ukraine may not be interested. So that's really the only alternative, I think, is to basically make money available for Ukraine to go buy its own gas if it can. Right. So we know Europe more broadly seems to be facing an energy crisis because of Russia's aggression. How does that kind of complicate the situation and what Ukraine's asking for. It's not just Ukraine, right? Yeah, and there is this whole issue of how to best steer Germany and other Western European countries away from Russian gas. We saw earlier they basically swore off Russian coal. There's talk the same might happen for oil, but gas is the big one. Russia supplies the European Union with like 40% of its natural gas imports. But the question is going to become, especially for Germany, moving away from gas is really a threat to its economy. We saw this report done on the behalf of the German finance ministry, basically saying if Germany stopped taking in Russian gas, it could expect its economy to go into a recession next year. And another thing that the Ukrainian energy executives wanted, they said it could be kind of like a baby step for Germany to move away from Russia, is just to if it wants to keep buying Russian gas, go ahead, but at least don't have it delivered through the original Nord Stream pipeline, which is run by Russia's Gazprom. Ukraine's like, look, we got plenty of spare capacity in our own pipeline system. You know, send it through us. It helps us in the short term. And, you know, it'll, like I said, it kind of be a baby step from getting away from Russia. Also, a new study from the Environmental Protection Agency finds that breathing in formaldehyde causes cancer and likely leads to various other ailments as well. That's according to an EPA draft risk assessment released on Thursday. For context, the U.S. uses billions of pounds of formaldehyde annually, and it tends to be found indoors at higher levels than other pollutants. The new study from EPA Thursday could lead to more stringent regulations on industry and could also influence the agency's separate but related study, which looks at the health risks of formaldehyde under the Toxic Substances Control Act. However, the draft has drawn major criticisms from the chemical industry and Republican officials who say the review process was faulty and biased. Moving forward, the study will be open for public comment through early June and then will undergo peer review by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Carlos Prieto and Raghu Manuvalan edited this week's podcast. Normal Malaykel is the podcast producer. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez.
I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lowercarbon.